Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we are vibing with the book at least 10 minutes at a time. Next 10 minutes, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17, all the way to 28. Okay, so Hebrews 11, we're still in the thick of it. What have you thought about this chapter thus far, Justin? I like it. I think it's a good chapter. I think it's probably <laughs> one of my top 11 chapters of the book of Hebrews thus far. This guy. All right. So one of the... <laughs> that doesn't work? That's not no, good? No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Cornball. Because if all of them are your favorite, then none, none of, them. of them are okay, your favorite. Okay. So then what's your favorite Bible verse, Mr. Jonathan? Uh, currently? <laughs> So, would the better answer have been currently it's my favorite chapter I mean, in the book of Hebrews? I don't know if it would have been a better answer for you. I'm just telling you that my favorite Bible verse is currently that which is born of the flesh is of the flesh. That which is born of the spirit is of the spirit. John Ooh, chapter 3. That's a good one. Mostly because we have been dwelling on this revelation that flesh is going to flesh. Flesh is going to flesh. Spirit going to spirit. I saw that in the, uh, the notes app. You and I have uh, a shared notes folder where it's like, oh. That's nice. That's a yeah. nice little whatever the thing is. So talk to me about flesh, gun, flesh, even though that's not part of our, our, our passage here. Uh, actually, we can weave it in. You, you know we can. You know we can. <laughs> so Skittles, there's the gospel. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> the colors of the rainbow, the rainbow, the promise made to Noah. It's the same promise made to Abraham that is testified in Hebrews chapter 11, faith. Uh, uh, see, this is why you pay for a good uh, Christian education. This is what they teach you how to do. Get it all the way back. So um, flesh is going to flesh. It's just this idea that if you're in the flesh, mm -hmm. you can't expect anything other than... So if I'm on the outside, right? Yeah. If I am watching somebody that is in the flesh, if I know somebody that is in the flesh, I cannot expect anything other than flesh. Mm. Flesh is going to flesh, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. that's the idea. Mm -hmm. And then the converse to this kind of tagline would be spirit going spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea spirit, is that those who uh, walk by the spirit, this is what influences and infuses every moment of their life. 100%. Because what ends up happening is that... If you're in the flesh and I try to position you as though doing the works of the spirit, I then impose upon you a behavior that is 
in the way that the text foreign. talks about it, foreign to you. Yeah. Right? 100%. Uh, there's this other line that we've been working with that's a great revelation. Uh, I think my wife was the one that dropped this one on us, was that um, the lies uh, lies become so familiar that the truth seems foreign. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when you bring truth to somebody, you, you proclaim truth, you speak truth according to the gospel, it's like, oh, I mean, that makes no sense. That, that totally. can't be it. Right? Mm-hmm. And we're speaking in a way like we've seen this yeah, happen. 100%. I see it every day. Over and over. People, you know, this this uh, this impulse mm-hmm. to read either the subtext of what you're saying mm-hmm. or the possible ditches that I have seen and have built up in my own mind that I end up in or have seen others end up in related to the verbiage that you use. So here's a good example. Recently, we talked about one saved, always saved. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I did what I ought not do, but I went into the comments. And there was these comments <laughs> like, hey, hey, you know who you are. You're in the comments. One saved, always saved is demonic. Yo, you're not listening. Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen Glory. This, I'm going to make an appeal to you. If you were in the comments, you know who you are. Talk about one saved, always saved is demonic. Listen. When you listen, say, listen, Linda. listen, Linda, when you say once saved, always saved, you literally don't mean those words. Mm. You're using that as a stand in for saying that since I've been saved once, I can live licentiously. Mm. That's not what we're saying. Mm-hmm. So in that example, you're taking a phrase guarding against the ditches or the, uh, yeah, the ditches that are connected to the phrase understood in a particular cultural context hmm. so then you're making all of these assumptions and making a cause oh well that's just demonic hmm. is it hmm. let's take these words literally let's just this is once saved how many times do you expect to be saved once right yeah this hebrews right 10 yep. 14 hebrews 10 10 like you're you're saved once how long do you expect to be in fact, saved eternally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you will be saved once by Jesus, and that has an eternal effect. So you're once saved, and you're eternally saved. One could almost say, once saved, always saved. However, you can't then use that as permission to live licentiously. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So it's that sort of thing. It gets me riled up because I'm like, yo, just. Let's not do the thing where we position each other against our fears, traumas, triggers, patterns, mm. and, and like terrors. Mm-hmm. I believe the best about people and actually position them in spirit. However, yeah, if you don't have spirit goggles, you're not infused from the clear eye of looking through spirit. Flesh gone flesh. Yeah. Okay. So now we're in the book of Hebrews. We see the story of Abraham and the story of Moses, which is what we're intending to cover in the next 10 minutes or so. This idea of Moses, uh, you know, sorry, Abraham rather, offering up his son Isaac. We see the idea of Moses, you know, being hidden away and identifying with the people of God. How is this all tied together here? Because you said that there's a transition here. Oh, there's yeah, a yeah. connection here. Yeah, well, with flesh gone flesh? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is, it's the divide. It's the divide, the, the clear divide that scripture presents that there's living in the flesh, there's living in the spirit. Mm. And Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Moses, um, they all by faith saw something and Mm -hmm. pursued something because they had received the promise. Mm -hmm. So first it begins with the promise. Mm -hmm. So God actually gives a promise to Abraham by faith. Verse 17, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, Isaac, (laughs) Isaac, 
And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. You see who he was? Hmm. You see what he received? He received the promise. promise. So God gives Abraham a promise. It comes from the faithfulness of God. It comes from the loyalty of God. It comes from the allegiance of God to his own word. So God tells Abraham, hey, Abraham, come with me. Abraham's like, yeah, sure, I'll go. And then because Abraham's willing to go, right, he actually hears the word of God Mm. and he surrenders his will to the will of God. His will is made willing to actually listen, right? He comes and, hey, Abraham, follow me. Mm -hmm. Okay, I will. Mm -hmm. That right there, the first evidence of faith, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Abraham Mm -hmm. moves. Then the next thing, Abraham, I am going to bless you. Mm. You're going to be a blessing to the nations. You're going to be blessed through offspring. Like, you're going to be a blessing, like. You are able to bless you with land. Mm-hmm. You are going to be blessed. Mm-hmm. What does Abraham say? Okay, cool. Sounds good. Okay. Sounds good. He receives it. Yeah. He receives the promise. Oh. So then when this same God comes to Abraham, I need you to go up to this mountain and so offer up your son. Now, it wasn't as clear as like, okay, cool. Like he wrestles, he struggles. He's like, man, how does this happen? But ultimately, what does he do? He says, all right, let's go. He says, all right, that's cool. So that faith is hearing the word of God and actually moving according to it because in the word of God, what has been given is a promise, Mm. right? Every single command of his is an enabling, right? It's rooted in a promise. So Abraham has received the promise. Then what does he do? He lives according to the promise. And then he passes that promise on down through the generations. And they hear from Abraham. Abraham hears from Isaac. Isaac hears from Jacob and it passes on down, right? Joseph lives according to this promise all the way to Moses. So Isaac receives this promise, positions his heart according to it. Jacob receives this promise and at the end of his age actually blesses the children according to the simplicity of faith, right? Mm -hmm. The children of Joseph. By the way, I think we talked about this in our Genesis series, how cool it is that at the end of his life, um, Jacob actually blesses joseph's sons Mm -hmm. in a similar way that maybe isaac that jacob and esau could have been blessed Mm, right right when ephraim and manasseh come crosses his hands and joseph tries to correct him like no 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 that's not the younger one like you didn't wrong and jacob's like yo what i'm doing i'm doing yeah i know what i'm doing yeah i remember a seminary professor pointed out jacob might not have had to have gone through the struggle Mm -hmm. if he had just trusted in the lord Mm -hmm. and maybe that's how isaac would have done it just yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, we get back. So Abraham promise, Isaac promise, Jacob promise, Joseph through the promise. This is why Joseph's like, nah, there's a promise of us receiving this land. Don't you keep my bones in Egypt? Mm. Don't you do it? You take my bones with me. Did Joseph see the land? Hmm. Had Joseph seen the nation rise up? Hmm. No. How did he know? Just by faith. Because the same God who had brought him from death to life, the same God who had taken what the devil meant for evil, what the enemy meant for evil and turned it to good is the same God that Joseph mm-hmm. is actually putting all his hope in because mm-hmm. this God has promised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Moses, yeah. does he count himself to be uh, numbered with the ruling Egyptian elite? Mm-mm. No. What does it say? Look at verse, what is it? 26. He considers the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the if, uh, treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. Right? By faith, 27, he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Hmm. By faith, he kept the Passover, sprinkled the blood so that destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. 
You see how he does things according to faith because he's received the word of God. He's received the word of promise. And now he lives differently, right? He lives according to the word. He lives mm -hmm. according. So all these people receive the word, live according to the word. That's spirit. That's mm -hmm. spirit living. You mm -hmm. hear the word. You live according to mm -hmm. it, right? And, and even more powerful in the New Testament, once we receive the indwelling Holy Spirit, it's even greater. But this is faith living, yeah? How does flesh live? Hmm. Flesh lives like Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. Who is this? Yeah. Prove it to me. Yeah. Prove it to me centrally. What I love about, and this is a theme that we've already seen with uh, Abraham and Sarah, was it earlier in, in this chapter? Just the idea of like, hey, when you move by faith, what's really dope is even though you might not move intelligently every single step along the way, yeah. God still reckons your faith towards you. Yeah. Like that's actually the thing that matters in the same way that like, was it, was it with, uh, was it, was, was it with Samuel? He's like, he sees the, he sees the heart. He, man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Cause you see this here. I mean, you see the story of Moses and if you read it just through the old Testament, it's like, oh man, brother messed up big time. He went and killed a dude. He went and did this, this, and this, and this It's like, but the scriptures is positioning him as a man who's at least hardest towards faithfulness. Again, because I think that's Acts chapter 7 and Stephen's actual uh, discourse and his sermon, his final sermon before he is martyred. What does Stephen say is the reason that Moses kills the Egyptian? Hmm. Stephen actually says that the reason that Moses kills the Egyptian is because Moses believes that by doing so, he is going to incite the rebellion that he's destined to lead. Hmm. Right? I don't, I don't know if I ever saw that. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Turn, turn with me to Acts chapter 7. Right? You go to Acts chapter 7. So in a very weird, I mean, this is a weird, weird way, but like him murdering was an act of faith. You yes. Know, very twisted, yes. misguided, don't ever yeah. do this, don't live. This is not a prescription, a but just yeah. a description, but it was an act of faith. Yeah, look at Acts seven twenty three. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. Verse 25. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. Hmm. You see that? Damn. <laughs> so that then this is the point is that they're groping. They're trying to get it. They're yeah. living according to the promise. Moses murders according to the promise. Right? <laughs> it's wild. It's wild, right? Yeah. And, so he, and, and not in, in in agreement with the promise. No, not definitely not. not no, this is not right? what God wants. This is not what God wants. But he's like, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is what I should do. Maybe this way they'll understand. Yeah. And before somebody's like, oh, you're misunderstanding, check yourself. Because yeah, how often have you received an instruction from the Lord and then you've gone this other way. Oh, maybe this is the way he's going to do it. And you find yourself in a place where you shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. And you're like, mm, mm -hmm. maybe I should have waited. And, but I think that the, the idea of flesh going to flesh and spirit going to spirit is really dope in this, in this, this passage because it's not as though that Moses was now all the way back in the flesh per se. He's still pursuing the promises of God, albeit in a really twisted way, in a misguided way, but he's still rooted as a man of faith. Yeah, so this is where it's important maybe to make this distinction between faith that we see in the Old Testament of living by the word, which is akin to um, living in the spirit, right, in the New Testament, mm -hmm. but also to understand that Moses is yet to actually die to self, mm. right? Mm -hmm. In, in mm -hmm. Acts chapter 7, he has yet to die to self, which is the whole point right Th these are the examples that are being used that there is a death that is necessary you die to self and mm. in dying you die the death of christ and you rise up with christ right mm. so in this very real way there's still that 
that that has not taken place. This is why you have um, this illu. Well, you have this imagery of him forty years in the desert, right? But then also uh, this baptism, right? The, you know. So, so that being said, it's still important to understand that by faith, faith looks at the promises of God and chases hard after them and pursues yeah. hard after them. The beautiful thing is that now we actually have the faith of God embodied in a person mm-hmm. and he is the author and perfecter of the faith, right? Yeah. So that Jesus as the author and perfecter of faith as our living example, not only externally, but now living example in externally, the living witness internally through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he actually causes us to move and do the works of God that we were created for yeah. beforehand. Right? I, yeah. I, I think, I guess what's standing out to me is that like for me in the past, faith was always this thing that required perfection. Like to walk by faith meant that you made no mistakes, but yeah. it seems as though that the narrative that's being painted here is that faith isn't always faultless, but the goodness of God covers the, when you stumble, when you fall and is able to turn it for good. Yeah, 100%. God's a chess player, right? And and I want to say a word on that only because, excuse me, the framing that believes and receives faith as a this idea of it makes no mistakes mm-hmm. or it makes no missteps is misunderstanding faith, hmm. right? Yeah, because you're localizing it in your own person again thank you yeah yeah, there it is explain that a little bit uh when faith is dependent on am i faultless or not the localization of my faith is my own actions and so by definition it's not a faith walk anymore it's a works walk like it's all about what did i do did i do the right thing or did i not do the right thing so faith is localized in my own being yeah now before somebody says well faith without works is dead like yeah Absolutely. Yeah. But a faith that works actually has works in keeping with the works that we were created to do beforehand in Christ. Mm-hmm. So that as his indwelling spirit teaches us and abides in us, we follow his word, not our impulses mm-hmm. and call it faith mm-hmm. because our impulses are somehow being framed through a moral framework that we think is right. Right. Because then we substitute god's ethic for our ethic and we think that our right doing is his right doing Mm. right and it's not and then when we frame faith through moral right doing we might miss faith right Mm -hmm. and so yeah what i love about these stories is that these guys pursued hard they chased hard and that faith is first localized in the person of jesus and the good news is that because it's localized in the person of jesus we have the life of jesus indwelling within us through the holy spirit we have the word made more sure we have the testimony from the prophets the writings and now through the revelation of his son that we can actually walk this thing out through the instruction and the indwelling holy spirit to actually walk in agreement Sometimes when uh, there's these beautiful moments in my day, Maddie comes running towards me and it fills my heart with joy. It makes me so excited to see his smiling face, his grin, just his hands open. And occasionally he'll catch the rug. Occasionally he'll, his own feet and he'll just be on the floor. And there's never been a moment that when he has fallen, I've said, ah, never mind, don't want the hug anymore. Even if, if, if anything, the fall makes me love him and want him and desire him all the more. Mm. 